the squatlin. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, I was so busy enjoying that victory on uh, Monday night. I didn't, you know, there's one night really where you just kind of give up on the media criticism, right? I mean, you just, you savor the victory. You enjoy it. And you laugh at the media for being so wrong about everything. And, um, you know, in my rush to kind of, well, take it all in, I wanted to see the Trump speech. So I went immediately to, uh, you know, where I could see it, right? I went, I just... <laughs> I don't watch CNN. I don't watch MSNBC. You know, I find a, a, a place that doesn't play games that I basically trust, and I watch the speech. And it was great. It was kind of conciliatory. It was uh, his tone. You know, at one point he said, "I want, I want liberals with me. I want, I want Democrats with me." And there was something really beautiful about it, genuine and. Uh, because I actually think that Democrats and even some liberals out there don't think that children should be sexualized and hanging around drag queens. And I, I do believe that liberals don't like their their shops and uh, grocery stores taken over by criminals and the shoplifting. And I think that there are some liberals out there who believe, yeah, we got to have a border, right? We have to have a border. Um, you know, just to, you, know, you can be liberal. You can think the government is basically a force for good, right? We can have a debate about that, and if we need a Department of Education or a Department of Energy, and um, but these are basic American values. And Donald Trump is saying, "Come on, join me. Let's let's do this together." I thought it was great. Uh, you got the, the, there are some moments where you just shut up and listen to his speech, but my God, what the what the fake news did. You know, they talk about Trump night and day, night and day. That's what they, they live for. They live for criticizing him. They catalog his lies. And even when he's not lying, they just all that stuff. Trump, 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 all day long. Let's take a look at it right now. CNN. Yeah, they're talking about Donald Trump right now. Breaking news. Uh, e. Jean Carroll. Nutjob says, I was assaulted by Donald Trump. He shattered my reputation. That crazy, uh, lunatic, eccentric person. MSNBC. There's Donald Trump right there. Okay. He's, <laughs> the judge tells Trump, I hope I don't have to consider excluding you from the trial, meaning Donald Trump can't defend himself. You know, in America, I think you're allowed to say whatever the hell you want. You know, let me ask you something. When a defendant gets sentenced, let's say you got a murderer, right? We all have seen these documentaries where murderers are found not guilty years later, right? Is the murderer supposed to just say at the sentencing hearing, please don't give me too much time? Or can they say, I didn't do it? I think they can say, I didn't do it. Right? Murderers can say that. Donald Trump right now, according to the judge, can't say that. He, he, he can't say he didn't do it. What in the hell kind of country? What Really? What's happening? All right. So anyway, they're talking about him night and day. And then it's his big moment. He creams the competition in Iowa. Not by 5 points, 10 points, 12 points, 20 points, 25 points, 30 points. That is record-breaking. The last guy who had a record like that was uh, George W. Bush because he beat his opponent in 2000, the year 2000, by 12 points. Ooh, big deal. Who cares? 12 points. Try 30. Bob Dole in 1988 beat his opponent by, like, 11 points. Big deal. Donald Trump does it by 30. And they won't even let the guy speak. They dump right out of the speech. The most 
Well, they're all obnoxious. They're all terrible. And I'm done calling them the elite media. I got another name for them. But let's hear, let's hear them in action. I'll come up with, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up that name. Well, I want to call them the parasitic media or parasites, right? They're parasites. They produce nothing. They hang around. They lie. They cheat. They steal. And they don't even allow their audience to hear and make up their own minds. So this is CNN, the most trusted name in news, interrupting Donald Trump mid-speech on victory night in Iowa, Monday night. I know some of you already know this happens. I didn't know it happened because I was watching the speech on a conservative network. I wanted to see what the hell happened. I wouldn't even think to watch CNN on a night like that. I kind of wish I had. Unbelievable. Cut 14. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. If these numbers hold, stop the biggest victory. You hear the guy has not done his speech yet. He's not finished. And Jake Tapper is going to offer his commentary and move along. And listen to this arrogant S.O. bitch. Excuse me. Keep going. For a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest, a relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. <laughs> you want to run for president, Jake? Fake Jake Tapper? That's CNN. CNN, Jake can handle it, but you can't. What? Do you see how out of touch, how wrong, how... And he's made a career out of this, out of being a snob and looking down on people. They're not the elite media. They are the parasitic media. They are parasites. Maybe parasites is too, uh, I don't know. Does that work? Can we replace elite media with parasites? Uh, Rachel Maddow, she's known for doing the same thing. She did the same thing the other night. And this is not new. Every time Trump wins something big and he's making his speech, you know, they love talking about him so they can control the narrative. But when he sets the narrative, here's a, uh, what's her name? Rachel Maddow, who, by the way, makes $25 million a year. That's about $500,000 a week. One week. Five hundred grand for For what? Preventing people from hearing from the president. Go ahead with that is making remarks tonight um, from his home in Florida. As far as we can tell, and what we were prepared for here is that this is basically a campaign speech in which he is repeating his same lies and allegations against his perceived enemies. It is just getting started. Um, so far, he's just giving his normal list of grievances. We don't consider that necessarily newsworthy, and there's a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. So uh, our deal with you is that we will monitor these remarks. If he does say anything newsworthy, we will turn them around and report on that right away. But uh, for now, just know that it's happening, and we're not taking it. Oh, my, you self-righteous B-I-T-C. I'm going to leave the H out. Somehow I think it's, you shouldn't call women the B-word, but you can call men the B-word. And somehow it really stings even worse when you call a man a B-I-T-C-H, right? A bitch! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's what Jake is. That's what he is. That's what he did. Uh, she's just a miserable self uh, uh, snob stuck on herself. $500,000. Oh, he's just, what did she say? It's basically a campaign speech. 
Well, some of us don't sit around all day listening to campaign speeches. What, 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 why can't we hear that? Isn't that kind of what it's all about? What the what, what what he's saying? So the ideas does that matter? No, it's all your little gossip horse race crap. And now we go to our reporter to talk about what Trump is saying, but we're not allowed to listen to Trump. And this is happening on traditional, old-fashioned, you know, uh, everybody says it's going to die tomorrow, but it's going to be around for a long time, cable television. Cable television, if they're doing that right in front of our eyes, what do you think big tech is doing? What have they been doing? Big tech. I mean, we can't even see, we can't even come to terms. I've been shadow banned. I've been censored. I've been silenced. And I'm just some guy. I mean, I yes, I got a following. I got this. I got that. I'm very I'm proud and I'm happy and I'm, I'm I'm grateful. But why am I such a threat? Am I what what is it? What is it about me that would make big tech uh with their clever algorithms? And you know what? Before Elon Musk came along, I actually had an editor at Twitter. There was a guy who he watched me and a bunch of other people. And every time I would make, I could tell I made a big splash on Twitter because it takes, it takes like a half hour for the, for the censorship to kick in. So you go viral and then boom, it gets reduced. Boom, it gets lowered. I knew something was up when a, a producer at MSNBC who nobody ever heard of, but he was reliably liberal, uh, had four million followers on Twitter. He had more t- followers on Twitter than the show he worked on, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, you know, anyway. That's I'm 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 just are you are you are you as like kind of freaked out by that as I am that they're still doing it? I think that's uh, I think that's bad bad news. Um, Donald Trump is in court with that crazy lady, uh, E. Jean Carroll, and the judge, the judge has been very nasty to one of my favorites out there, Alina Haba. Have you seen Alina Haba? Uh, number one, well, she happens to be gorgeous. Number two, uh, she happens to be brilliant. Uh, number three, she's one of Trump's lawyers. She's very aggressive. Um, she's not intimidated. And I have noticed, and I believe she has noticed, that some of these judges are uh, giving her a hard time because she is a woman. You know, telling her to sit down. Judges aren't supposed to do that. Sit down. Sit down, young lady. Is he doing that to male counsels? Apparently not. Apparently not. It's like a little thing he's got. This is Judge Kaplan, Lewis Kaplan. It's incredible, man. They're not even letting Donald Trump say he's innocent. You can't say you're innocent. We've already decided you're guilty. Where are the decent lawyers out there? we got to come up with a name for the lawyers. Lawyers. What, what, what are lawyers? Liars? I don't know. If that's a, there are some good lawyers out there, but not enough, not nearly enough. And there are a lot of good lawyers who are afraid right now to stand up to be jumping up and down about what's happening here. Man, I wish I had a law degree. Not really. But I'd be out there going like crazy. I, what, what do they call those things? Amicus briefs. They should be filing amicus briefs. Where is the American Bar Association? That rigged, corrupt system. All of these guys, you know what they're afraid of? They're afraid of their corporate clients. They want to keep them. That's where their allegiance is. And I happen to know a great big media tycoon i don't want to say his name because i don't want any trouble myself here then there's a specific reason why i can't say his name but what he did he gets all the good lawyers in town all the good lawyers right so he's doing business with all the good firms so if you go to one of those firms and you don't agree with that media tycoon 
and you hire a lawyer, uh, guess what? The lawyer is going to come to you and says, I have a conflict of interest. Like, actually, I can't, I can't represent you because of this guy, of this billionaire media tycoon out there. It's, it's got tentacles in every single law firm in the city. So that, that it's, it's tough for a client to get adequate representation. I didn't know how rigged it was until, you know, I started having my own brush with the legal system. And I'm grateful I did. It made me, I, I just wised up, made me a hell of a lot savvier. I was so naive. I was so lost in a lot of ways. Hey, Nikki Haley is out there pushing that she, this is a two person race. You heard that, right? Two person race. She's a, this now a two, she came in third place. And somehow this is a two person race, her and Trump. She's about to be eliminated, I think. It looks like she's going to lose by 16 points. I hope anything can happen, especially a state like New Hampshire, where Democrats can run uh, and independents can sign up to vote. Democrats can sign up to vote in the Republican primary. So right now, a lot of globalist money. They are propping up her like crazy. I hear Ron DeSantis. His strategy is this. He doesn't realize he's out of the race yet. And given that the globalists think they run the world, and sometimes they do, a lot of the time they do, they're telling him, you just stay in this race. We'll keep funding you. We're going to find a way to fund you. And then when Trump starts getting convicted on this stuff, right, these phony cases, hey, you're the last man. You'll be you'll be the guy. You'll be the nominee. They're based in the why it's not going to be Nikki, and then the big money guys are figuring this out right now. Nikki is probably going to lose in South Carolina, her home state. Trump is going to cream her in South Carolina. If that happens, well, you know how can how can she go on to be the the actual nominee? Right? You see, uh, this is look, this is crazy calculus. I mean, it would be great if they would just kind of put this in front of the people and let the people decide. But we don't live in that kind of country anymore. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, boy. Uh, Donald Trump is going off on Nikki Haley. And you know what? She deserves it. I love it. Now, I'm looking at the headline. They're already saying Donald Trump. His attacks on Nikki Haley are, guess what they are, sexist and racist. And when the media says that, I can tell you right now, the attacks are not sexist and they're not racist, okay? They're they're, they're not going to be that. I don't even know what the hell he said yet. And I know it's not going to be sexist and racist. This is a rule of thumb, all right? They're always, always wrong. They're always wrong. All right, now let's see here. What did he do that was so bad? Uh, Former President Donald Trump turned on 2024 GOP rival Nikki Haley late Tuesday and early Wednesday with less than a week to go before what many observers see as the must-win New Hampshire primary for the former South Carolina governor. Um, Racially charged rant, the New York Post is calling it. Racially charged. All right, let's see here. Anyone listening to Nikki Nimrata Haley's whacked-out speech last night 
would think that she won the Iowa primary. She didn't, Trump posted on Truth Social. Nikki came in a distant third, which is absolutely true. Where's the racist part? Oh, the name? He called her by her full name? Is that racist? Well, the article continues. Haley's full name is Nimarada Nikki Haley, and her critics have often used her given first name to draw unflattering attention to her Indian heritage. No, no, that's not what it's about. I'll come back to that. She said she would never run against me. He was a great president, and she would have followed her own advice. Now she's stuck with weak policies and a very strong MAGA base, and there's just nothing she can do. All right, now let's talk about that. Calling her Nimrata, which is her, I guess, her given name, right, in India, in Indian, her parents were Indian. People do this all the time to highlight that there is something that the person doesn't want said. Said, All right, let me give you an example. George Bush, the second one. No, the first one. George Bush. George H.W. Bush. If you really wanted to get under his skin, you'd call him by his full name. George Herbert Walker Bush. George Herbert Walker Bush. He didn't like that, but it's his name. There's nothing he can do about it, and that's politics. People call you by your full name sometimes. Hey, we just lost Joyce uh, Joyce Randolph the other day when she was really mad at, 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 at Norton. You know what she called him? Edward? Edward? It's a formal thing. You're allowed to do this. Let's see here. Barack Hussein Obama. Are we trying to raise doubts about his ethnicity or his uh, allegiance? I, I, I put it right back in the George Herbert Walker Bush category. If somebody has a, a middle name that you make fun of, all right. I used to sit next to somebody for a long time. And one day, I can't say who it is, but one day I asked this person what their middle name was. And they gave me a look like, uh-oh, <laughs> the moment of truth has come. I can't tell you who it is, but they told me their middle name, and they don't like the middle name. I think I can say the middle name without saying the first name or the last name, right? This person's middle name was Mildred, and they didn't want me to know that. And I, knew, and I never actually did it, but if I ever got angry enough, I would have said, you know, Ann Mildred Smith, how dare you? But it wasn't Ann Smith. It was somebody else. Somebody very nice, but uh, Mildred, she didn't like the middle name. It's a little political trick to get under somebody's skin. It's no biggie. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are back. And as all this stuff is unfolding here in America, and we're, I mean, even though we're losing our country, for the time being, we are relatively, relatively secure. No, no, we're not secure. We're losing it fast. All right. Well, one thing that's not happening in America, uh, young women and girls are not being sold into sex slavery. Well, actually, I have a feeling that's happening, too. Um, all right. But you know where it's worse? Afghanistan. Yeah, that country we the, 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 the Taliban is now in charge of, right? You know, the war we lost, Joe Biden, right? That one. Um, not only are women in uh, sexual servitude and children, um, they're actually taking young girls, boys, cutting them open and taking their organs out with the family approval. 
families are selling organs for money to survive. And I don't hear a damn thing about it in America anymore. It's it, certainly not from the media or anybody else. And, um, you know, the women's rights groups and, you know, feministas and all that stuff. Where the hell are they? Well, thank goodness for Barry Weiss. You know, I've been highlighting this myself, but not adequately enough. You know who Barry Weiss is? She used to write for the New York Times, um, and she left in a great big huff, and I don't blame her at all. Uh, she was getting picked on for being pro-Israel, picked on and harassed, actually, by all the wokesters over there, where, you know, you get promoted now based on what you look like, what your gender is, uh, the best, I think the highest status thing you can be over there is a transgender uh, person of color. That's that's at the top. That's at the very top. Doesn't matter how well you write. Doesn't matter how good your sources are. It matters, you know, your status, gender, race, ethnicity, all that junk uh, that nobody cares about in the real world. Um, but uh, here's Barry Weiss. She left in a blaze of glory, and she is she's totally back. Cut nine, please. Cut nine. There are 136 hostages still being held by Hamas in Gaza right this moment. Some of those people are dead. Two of them are babies. About 20 of them are young women. And it has been a 100 days since they disappeared beneath the Earth's surface in Gaza. In those 100 days, thanks to those hostages who have been released... And thanks to the intrepid work of journalists in Israel and across the world, we have learned a great deal about what the feminists of the world are choosing largely to ignore. They are ignoring hostages who have been seriously wounded, shot or with dismembered limbs, who are without medical care. They are ignoring hostages who don't have enough food and water. They are ignoring hostages who are being beaten and tortured. They are ignoring hostages who have been sitting for a hundred days in the pits of hell. As if all of that wouldn't be bad enough. But what they are also ignoring is the ongoing subjugation of those some 20 remaining women. And that is not hyperbole or hysteria or speculation or claims made by politicians to make a political point or advance the aims of the broader war. It is first-hand testimony that is coming out of the mouths of women who were there and who saw what was happening with their own eyes. Wow, Barry Weiss, huh? Talking about the situation. Yeah, the women, women, children, young girls, hostages. And I see Tony Blinken running all over the world, saying nothing and being nervous, saying nothing about the hostages, being very, very nervous. I'm like, why is this guy on camera all the time? He has nothing to say, yet he's on camera a lot. Why does he do that? You know what it is? It's a commercial for him. It's a commercial for his consulting business, which he has one. It's called West Exec Partners. Uh, he left there to work in the Biden administration, which, you know, in certain in, there was a time when that was illegal. You know, this, they call it the revolving door, right? You can't be a lobbyist and work in the government or work in the government and go right to being a lobbying. You got to wait. You got to wait a certain amount of time. Well, they figured out a way around that because West Exec and uh, let's see, the Cohen Group and McClarty Associates, all these people, they figured out, why are we calling ourselves lobbyists? Why don't we just call ourselves consultants? We'll just give advice. You know, we're just, we're just giving advice here. And you guys can't pass any rules anymore because people are allowed to give advice, aren't they? 
And you got these multi-billion dollar consultancies now. And people who go into government, there is a path. It's, it's available to almost everybody down there, right? They all want to take it, uh, for, for money, huge, huge money. You know, Joe Biden had a chief of staff named Ron Klain, K-L-A-I-N, Ron Klain. Ron was with Joe Biden all the way back in his Senate days, hanging around Joe Biden for decades. It got to be dumber as a result of all that. Nevertheless, he did go to a, the, the right schools. He's chief of staff for what? Two years, maybe two and a half years. Where did he go? Where is he now? Guess what does he do? He makes $10 million a year working for Airbnb as their chief legal officer. And I have a feeling, just a hunch, that mm, Airbnb has a lot of pending issues in front of the government. And I looked it up, and there's like about 5,000 things, regulatory issues that, and beef that they have with the government. And they are pressing hard for, they want this regulation pulled, they want this regulation in place, they want to hurt hotels, they want to promote their own business, and they're looking for the federal government to help it out. It is the swamp. It is not what our founding fathers had in mind. That Constitution, you can carry it around in your pocket. Can you carry around uh, the United States government uh, phone book in your pocket? <laughs> it's impossible. There are 7.8 million bureaucrats exclude and, and unelected people in our government, excluding the United States military, 7.8 million. And we've got 437 elected officials. I feel like such a chump. Every now and then I, I urge people to write their congressman. And I still do because it's pure and it's right and it's good and it's the way the system is supposed to work. But what the pros do, I mean the heavyweights, well, they just hire some of these people to get what they want. They just you know, throw a lot of money their way, and they'll get it. And guys like William Cohen, former United States senator, former Secretary of Defense, you know what is he? What is he really selling? You're, you're going to get advice from him. Well, he knows the government. He knows people in the government. He can make things happen. And you know who one of his best friends is? Bill Cohen, that Secretary of Defense from the '90s, who is now the chair of the Cohen Group, and is getting all kinds of things, all kinds of money for his clients, and he's targeting. Foreign embassies and consulates. It is so murky and weird. Anyway, one of his good friends is Joe Biden. I found about 15 pictures of these guys palling around in the 90s and the aughts and beyond. Um, it's and the great thing, though, about Trump, he's matured. He's grown. He's learned a lot. He was so naive in so many ways, in good ways, in pure ways. Went down there thinking that people actually wanted to do something good for the government, good something good for the people. And that people in government would work for the people. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyway, he learned that. He learned that the hard way. And anyway, he goes in there. I think, uh, that's going to be his chief challenge though. Staffing. It's going to be a huge issue. There are a lot of people who are not going to feel, you know, they don't, they don't want the heat. They don't need lawyers breathing down their necks. I mean, there are some groups out there who already said, we're going to put all of these people on notice. And we're going to, uh, you know, uh, sue them and you're going to have to lawyer up. There are people that you never even heard of who have huge legal bills having worked for Donald Trump. Not that they, um, you know, they didn't do anything wrong, but this committee wants to talk to you. That committee, this special prosecutor, you know, it's best to have a lawyer and these lawyers, you know, sometimes I wonder about that. What would happen if you just go in and, to- and, and you told the truth, right? 
Why do you get lawyers all the time? Are there too many lawyers? Yes. I'd actually like to. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to ask Rudy Giuliani that. Let's ask Rudy Giuliani. I mean, there's certain things that you can do probably without a lawyer. And there's so few. And those people who used to work for Rudy Giuliani in that U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, you young guns, you young Turks, and now you're what? In your 60s, and you make seven-figure salaries, and you talk about the glory days, and you talk at cocktail parties about somebody you haven't talked to in decades. Oh, I don't know what happened to Rudy. He really lost his way. You know who lost their way? You guys did. The justice system did. The lawyers down there, the lawyers everywhere, good lawyers should be protesting in front of the courthouse for crying out loud or writing your amicus briefs or just yelling and screaming at the top of your lungs about the injustice that's being inflicted upon Donald Trump. He doesn't have you. And boy, oh, boy, you could really do a lot of good. You really could. He doesn't have the media. He doesn't have the judicial system. Even the good lawyers want to stay away. He only has the people. He only has the people, and they saw that in spectacular fashion on Monday night. And they're going to see it again next Tuesday in New Hampshire. Hey, Vivek Ramaswamy. Is it Ramaswamy or Ramaswamy? I'm not sure. But he endorsed Trump last night, and it was really great. I like Vivek. Big future. Let's listen. As I've said since the beginning, there are America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulate him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. You know, it's interesting. I'm trying to find this speech. It's actually very hard to find. He spoke for about 10 minutes and he was like really enthusiastic. It was kind of cool. And that's the only clip that you can find that's convenient to find online. How about that? All right. I'm going to get the good stuff. I'm going to get the good stuff. But I have a flashback moment. You know why he's going to be so effective up there in New Hampshire? He's a guy who's not afraid to uh, put it on Nikki Haley. I mean, my goodness gracious. And he can call her Nimarada or whatever her name is. It's not racist when he does it. Why is it racist when Donald Trump does it? Hmm? Her real name, I guess, is Nimarada. doesn't really matter. She wants to go by Nikki. We can call her Nikki. But every now and then, if I want to make a point, if I want to make fun of somebody, I might use their middle name, George Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, all right, hit it. Vivek beaten on, rhetorically, Nikki. Mr. Ramaswamy, when discussing your Hindu faith in September, you seem to take a shot at Ambassador Haley, who is also Indian American and who converted to Christianity as an adult. You said, an easy thing for me to do, being a politician, is to shorten my name, profess to be a Christian, and then run. Make Vivek Vicky or whatever, end quote. Are you questioning Nikki Haley's Christian convictions? And why has your campaign made a point of referring to Ambassador Haley by her given first name, Nimarada, even though she has gone by Nikki for her whole life? Well, my whole deal is if Nikki Haley, of all people, should know how to pronounce my name correctly, the rest of the news media can learn it. My deal is I'll call her Nikki when she can say my own name right. That's our little fun side bet there. Here's what I will say is deeper. I don't question her faith. Hey, real quick, real quick. Because his name is Vivek. And she was saying Vivek, 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 Vivek. And a lot of people still mispronounce it. It's Vivek like cake. Keep going, pal. I think that's deeper here. We were just talking about the trans issue. This is a symptom of a deeper cancer in American life, identity politics. This new religion that says your race, your gender, and your sexuality are your identity. It is anti-American. It is meritocratic. It's anti-meritocratic. And it is dividing this country 
to a breaking point. And I've spoken about this to the left. My books are all about this. I've preached this to the left. But it's even worse when Republicans try to play the same game. We're talking about that trans issue. And Nikki Haley's campaign launch video sounded like a woke Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light ad talking about how she would kick in heels. At the first debate, she said that only a woman can get this job done. That's what she said. After the third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign dealings as a military contractor, she said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This is a woman who will send your kids to die so she can buy a bigger house. This is the problem. Using identity politics more effectively than Kamala Harris is a form of intellectual fraud. And it actually needs to end. There's our donor puppet masters wielding their puppet right up here tonight. This is how this game is played. The puppet masters put up their puppet, and I reject the use of identity politics in this party. It has been a cancer coming from the left, and I'm sick and tired of the double standards the people of this country are too. Having two X chromosomes does not immunize okay, you from thank criticism. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Let the man speak. I love it. I love every word of it. Uh, that's interesting. I forgot about that. She's mispronouncing his name. Most people in the media do. It's the first thing I asked him, actually. Uh, maybe the second thing. I said, hey, hey, by the way, look, uh, your name, it's not exactly common. How do you say it? And he said, I appreciate the question. And he told me, Vivek, like cake. I did this on uh, on video, on TV. Um, and, oh, I want to hear this, too. Uh, here's the endorsement. And you'll see a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion. I actually had to dig it up online, and we found it. This is uh, Vivek last night in, in New Hampshire. You know Trump is commuting between New York City and New Hampshire, he's actually going to these uh, these sessions, these corrupt sessions, in front of the judge, E. Jean Carroll. You can't say you're innocent. It's already been legally established, a judge says, that you assaulted her. There's no way in the world in a billion years you could prove that he assaulted her. But in our backwards, screwed-up, left-wing lunacy of a city and state, they have established... That in 1995 or 1996, nobody knows, <laughs> not even E. Jean Carroll, that E. Jean Carroll was assaulted. Uh, Donald Trump now cannot profess his innocence. Isn't that something? He can't profess his innocence. Every time a convicted murderer is about to be sentenced, they profess their innocence. Are we going to say they can't either? Just please give me uh, not much time. Be, uh, no, no, everybody's innocent. You can say that. You can say everybody in prison is innocent. I know that's not true. But every now and then we find out DNA evidence or whatever. All right. I want to go back to Vivek. This is his endorsement of Trump last night in New Hampshire. He's got some tremendous ideas and uh, he's young and he's got some young ideas, too. And that's a good thing. So he has a big, beautiful, bright future ahead. Vivek Ramaswamy. Come on up, Vivek. I love it that these guys are friends now. And I'll have Vivek when we come back and some other interesting stuff. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, we'll get back to Vivek. It's actually time to take calls. Uh, let's go to uh, Dennis in Staten Island. Hi. Yeah, hey, Greg. Greg, uh, every other hour we hear about 
150 hostages, and it's terrible the situation they're in, but every day, 150 to 200 Americans, mostly young people, die from Wait a second. Oh, this is Dennis in, uh, where are you? Boundbrook, New Jersey. Okay, yeah. yeah, keep going, yeah. Okay, so yeah, every day 150 to 200 Americans die from fentanyl, many of them young people, and if we were to put 10 to 20,000 troops on the border, we would save thousands of lives every year. But nobody gives a damn. Well, but what do you mean? Oh, hold on a second. It. We all know that we have a fentanyl crisis going on big time. Uh, I disagree with you about the emphasis on the um, hostages. They are forgotten, long forgotten. Um, the fentanyl crisis, we know. We know that Joe Biden is looking the other way. I mean, this is people are acutely aware of it. Uh, we also know the solution. I mean, well, something that'll really help what you just mentioned, you know, troops on the border, uh, bombing the cartels, all these things. But no, I disagree with your characterization of it. And, uh, by the way, you know what? You know, talk is cheap, you know, like, you know, we're shooting the breeze here on the radio and, and I, you know, sometimes oh, no one's talking about this. Well, you know, talk, you can talk about it and still not get anything done. Um, you know, people love to tweet. I realize this happened, uh, when, Michelle Obama was standing there with a great big sign that said, bring back our girls when a bunch of Nigerian girls were kidnapped. I mean, like, you're the first lady. Do something about it. And a lot of celebrities joined in and, you know, posted and hashtag bring back our girls or, you know, save the whales or stop fentanyl. Uh, it feels good, but, you know, the, 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 we know how to do it, and it's going to take policy and it's going to take execution. Actually, it doesn't even take that much policy. It's more execution, and this administration won't execute. Thank you. Let's go to the other dentist real quick in Staten Island. Oh, hello. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, two things. First one, what do you think of Tulsi Gabbard being a vice president with Donald Trump? Do you think that would be a good idea? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. I'm intrigued by her. I like her. Uh, but, you know, I think on some basic issues – I don't know if there's, uh, you know, if there's sim, uh, they're simpatico on everything. You know, she might. I, I don't know enough about her. I know her bio and all that stuff, and I know she's very attractive. I know the Iraq War stuff, which, oh by the way, is irrelevant these days. I don't care if you're a veteran, to be honest. I really don't care. Uh, too much has been made of that. You know, John McCain, right? All hail John McCain. So I mean, you know, I just don't care about that. That doesn't make her a vice president. I don't even know her position on abortion. Do you? Uh, not really. No. Yeah, you know what I mean. You see, we see this package, and it sounds great, and it would be interesting. And I, I've actually gone there before, but we don't know the basics. And uh, so I want to know the basics. I need to know a lot more. And and she may have some vetting issues as well. Although everybody has vetting issues, let's face it. So that's 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 not a deal breaker. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, wait, did you say, want to say one other thing? Importantly, if I could, if you got a minute, quick. Okay, quick. They got those voice things from the police communications on January 6th when that guy shot Ashley Babbitt. All of a sudden, we had a voice communication that was there during that day. Why can't we get all of the police communications? You're damn right about that one. And Speaker Johnson, you know, <laughs> you better get with it, pal. You really could and maybe should uh, go with Kevin McCarthy.